0: TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, and welcome back to the Fire and Soul podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, and I'm doing something right now that I've never done before. We have created a special series highlighting many of the members of my premier program called the Fire and Soul Accelerator. Yes, same name, Fire and Soul, inspired action from an awakened soul. And, uh, this is a six month long premier program that I run and you're going to hear from many of the members who have turned their passion into profits and they've all got unique, extraordinary, inspiring stories that I am super excited to share with you because it's people like me and you that just decided to get out of their own way, stop buying into limiting beliefs, right, or all the excuses that want to make us stay small or unseen or not really go for it because we've all got that same self-doubt, but yet each one of them in their unique ways were able to generate business, impact, community, connection, And yes, lots of profits. So I'm excited to bring this series to you. And what we've decided to do as a Ginny Media uh, producing team and myself got together and talked about how we could roll this out, because there's going to be about a dozen members that come through and share their stories that we thought we would batch them. So the first people that I am releasing today are very special to me. They go in no particular order, by the way, It just was schedule-wise. But um, you're going to get to hear from Michelle Bachman and Michael Christian. And you're also going to get to hear from Steve Lawrence. They live in various places around the world. But they've all been going through the Fire and Soul Accelerator program for the last six months or so. So it's an exciting time for me as the leader of that program that is basically modeled after my first six figures as an online entrepreneur and a leader in the personal development space or an emerging leader, as I'd like to say. They all just took what they wanted, took what felt right, took what resonated and ran with it, got clarity, got contrast, all of the things in which that could help them just mm, build momentum and build a greater impact and of course the profits matter as well so without further ado this is going to be a wonderful series so listen to them as you want do enjoy and then of course love to hear back from you if you have any comments questions or feedback you can always reach me at fireandsoulpodcast.com please enjoy hey steve i'm so excited that you're here welcome to the show
1: Ah, oh, thank you so much.
0: Okay, so where I, I want to let my listeners know, like where are you uh, tuning in from today? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm actually tuning in from a dog park. Well, see i live in I, I live in Hong Kong, and we live in very high high uh, skyscrapers. And, uh, the apartments are fairly small and I tend to talk loudly. So, uh, to be respectful to my wife, I go outside to, uh, take calls and there's a, there's a lovely dog park here. So it's six AM in the morning, but there's a beautiful chess table and I'm just sitting out here and, uh, Couldn't ask for a better morning. It's great.
0: This is what I love about podcasting is that you literally can just like do it from anywhere in the world. It's so powerful. Like you got your little AirPods in, you got a laptop and a Wi-Fi that works. You got a dog park. Not to be confused with the dog house. You are not in the dog house. You're just in the dog park. No, I'm not.
1: No, uh, I'm in good graces with my wife, so it's okay. okay. And, <laughs> and, and the cool thing is, we're, oh. we're we're across the pond from each other. You know, uh, just uh, there's this little body of water called the Pacific that's separating <laughs> us. But uh, I can throw, I can skip a rock across.
0: Isn't that amazing? Well, you and I, I think, how did we first come into contact? I know you joined the live video mastery, but it's because you were in the mastermind to start. But how did you join the mastermind way back when? And when was that? Probably over a year and a half ago now. At this point, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it's pushing. Uh, it's over. Definitely over a year and a half. Uh, year and a half ago, my cousin, my cousin Jason Clement, was one of your uh, first members, and he's a, he's a, an aspiring coach. And we were talking. He says, "Oh my God, you have got to meet Michelle Soro and see the great work she's doing." If you're interested in mindset mastery, so that was the hook. And then I introduced myself, and you said, "Hey, any friend of Jason is welcome." That's how that's how we met.
0: And it's felt like family ever since. And what's so cool is that, you know, you're in virtually all the programs that I've ever offered. And as my listeners know, I'm running a whole special series on Fire and Soul that's Passion to Profits. And that's basically an echo of what we've been going through for the past six months in the Fire and Soul Accelerator program which I'm not pitching y'all. It's an invitation only graduates of Live Video Mastery, which is my signature course. But what's so cool about all that work is that it ties so beautifully into what you've been doing as a corporate exec. We're going to talk about that, but now what you are truly launching into and expanding in uh, 2020 even more so. So I want to just get a little backstory on you for those who haven't had the honor to get to know you over the past year and a half. What brought you to Hong Kong in the first place? And uh, a little bit of your corporate executive work. And then we'll move into where you are now.
1: Well, um, I mean, I'll go back even farther. So my childhood was spent in Saudi Arabia. My, my father was a, um, working for an oil company over there. So you know, we had the pleasure of uh, growing up in the desert. So I had a very international background. Mm. And although I was a United States citizen, most of my time was spent outside. And so when I graduated from college in the United States, you know, I had this strong desire to kind of get back overseas and kind of do the whole the whole expat gig and kind of explore the world. So actually, what brought me to Hong Kong was I was working for a company called um, Learning Forum out of Oceanside, California, and actually they run a program, a youth leadership program called Supercamp believe it or not. Okay. So I was, I was hired as one of the U.S. trainers to come out from California and to do a summer program in Hong Kong teaching learning to learn skills and leadership development for high school kids. Now, I was 22 at the time, and I was teaching kids who were 17. And that was kind of my, I guess, first, first international job. And I fell in love with Hong Kong. It was the most mm-hmm. amazing, dramatic, dynamic city. And um, after the summer program, I ripped up my airline ticket and I told my mom and dad, I said, I'm not coming back to the States. I just love it over here. And actually, they were kind of happy. They said, well, good, you're closer to home because Saudi Arabia is closer to Hong Kong than it is actually to the States. But uh, I'm a true blooded American, though, through and through (laughs) in my bones and in my blood.
0: Wow. Okay. so you were born in the U.S., but then lived in Saudi Arabia, went to college in the U.S., and then moved to Hong Kong for what you thought would be like a summer gig, and you've basically been there ever since, although you have lived and worked in various cities and countries around the world.
1: That is correct, yeah. Um, you know, I think, oh gosh, last tally, I've worked in over, I've worked in over 100 cities and over 40 countries um, in, my, in my corporate career. But that's helpful because my corporate career has all been in aviation. So it's uh, quite easy to travel.
0: Okay, so what was the first job that you got in Hong Kong? And then how was it to make friends? And, you know, I know that you loved it and you gravitated toward it. But what was it about it besides being a dramatic, amazing city? Like, what made you feel like, wow, this is home for me?
1: It was, um, well, my first job was with a, a company called Asia Works. And it was a leadership development consulting firm. And we mostly did outdoor experiential learning uh, programs, uh, you know, two-day events, three-day events, things like that.
0: Like ropes and courses and things like that? Yeah,
1: yeah like high ropes courses, low ropes cool. courses, oh all kind of like e- experiential team building type stuff. So uh, yeah, trust falls, jumping off walls, all that fun stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, Hong Kong was, it was a blend of, it's such a Western city, but, as, but also it's a very Asian city. So it was very multicultural. And I I just absolutely loved it. And, you know, they always say um, Hong Kong is the gateway to China or it's Asia's world city. And I got to tell you, it truly is. I mean, if you fly in five hours of any direction of Hong Kong, you have half the world's population. Mm. So I'm like, boy, you want international? (laughs) You couldn't be in a more international city, which was phenomenal.
0: Mm. And is that where you met your wife?
1: That's, that's true. I didn't meet my wife here, but the funny thing is uh, my wife's a flight attendant and I was also working in, uh, Catholic Pacific airways. Uh, that's the, the Hong Kong airline here, but, uh, we weren't dating each other. And, um, what was funny is I actually knew my wife for probably, oh gosh, over 10 years. And, um, I'd always wanted to ask her out for a coffee, but I was kind of too chicken to, but then I tried online dating. What was funny is, um, <laughs> my, uh, one of the first people I met online was actually my wife. And I said, (laughs) I'm like, you gotta, you gotta be kidding me. It took me 10 years to build up the courage to go ask my wife for a a coffee, but it had to be an online dating platform to make it happen. (laughs) So I said, you know, whatever my beliefs were, I said, you know, uh, limiting beliefs about, you know, asking her out for a coffee. I said, this is the universe telling me this, this is it, baby. So uh, I think our first date, we went on a hike and, uh, two years later we were married and we've got three kids now. So, uh, it's been you absolutely so been fantastic. fantastic. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Okay. So you work for Cathay now, how long were you at Cathay and what were you doing there?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was with, uh, I was with Cathay Pacific for, uh, just over 20 years. Oh, um, Wow. That's right. And uh, there was kind of like two halves. So the first 10 years was more with in-flight services. Mm -hmm. And that was in the capacity of training cabin crew. And that was also doing cabin crew relations and cabin crew communications. So I was kind of like, my first job was training the trainers. So I I had to train all the trainers that trained the cabin crew. That was my very first job. Mm. And then I also did all the internal communications, like the newsletters and everything. But then the second half was working in ground operations. So this is in the airport. And that is where kind of, you know, my remit was to look after all training and development for all ground operations around the world. And at the time that was about over a hundred cities. So, I mean, it was pretty, you know, I was pretty pretty much like a hamster living in a tube, traveling from uh, airport to airport. You know, sometimes I would never leave the airport. (laughs) I would either be in an airport building or an an aluminum aircraft tube. But um, those 10 years were, phenomenal, meeting some of just the most amazing people. and I've got best friends all over the world um, mm. as a result of that.
0: Yeah. All people that you met through working at Cathay Pacific.
1: That's correct. That's that correct. so
0: cool. Okay. So you were at Cathay Pacific for 20 years. So at this point, I'm going to put you probably like going into your fourth decade living on the planet, right? And That's you right. wake up. And you realize that you want to be doing so much more. The universe had a hand in it, right? There was a parting of ways with Cathay Pacific that was very amicable. It was a win-win. And that was about two years ago. So what have you been doing since? And how does that have to do with where you are now?
1: Well, you know, when I stepped out, you know, asking the question, gee, what do you want to do? And, and I just kind of reverse engineered it. I, I said, what is it that I'm talking about all the time? Like, what am I, where am I spending my energy, my time? And honestly, most of my conversations are all around learning to learn and helping people to kind of use leverage, use learning as like a tool, right? You know, it's like one of our greatest competitive advantages to like, if you're a lifelong learner and you have a growth mindset, you know, you can do anything. So like I practice that in my own life, but like, I love helping people to step up, show up and to adopt those growth mindsets and to be like lifelong learners so they can get after what they want. I noticed I've been talking about that, probably been talking about that since I was 18. (laughs) You know, it's been a a very common theme in my life. And I said, well, what does that look like? Um, So becoming an entrepreneur, I said, well, it looks like um, doing coaching. Um, So I'm doing a lot of executive coaching. It looks like doing team coaching, working with a lot of organizations and helping the teams to learn so they continuously improve. But most recently, it has been working with kind of... Corporate training functions in terms of upskilling their capabilities to deliver better learning. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been on a lot of great programs and I've been on a lot of not so great programs. And, you know, one of the things that really gets my juices going is when I'm on a really bad learning program and I'm like, oh, this could be so much better. I'm (laughs) like, well, you can do this. You can do A, B, C, and D. You know, just some simple tools, um, also mindset stuff um, that can just help make the learning experience more meaningful and more memorable. Yeah, that's what I'm about. So I'm working with organizations, helping to upskill their learning capabilities and also doing a lot of team and executive executive coaching as well
0: i love it and you've got your first uh mastermind coming up soon which i'm really excited for you that you're launching into more one-to-many sort of learning programs um, where you're taking your one-to-one model and you're expanding it into groups intimate groups but highly engaged and just a lot of expertise that you can bring to the table um you mentioned that there's like some simple tips and tricks that people can learn to engage their learners their students what would a couple of those examples be
1: the number one thing I probably see uh, that that lacks in engagement is oh gosh, there's a few things. Where do I start?
0: <laughs> start with the um, ones that, yeah, are like the biggest and most popular themes that people are just unconscious to that you've probably seen a
1: lot of. Honestly, I think it is really how the trainer or facilitator shows up in the room. Mm. It's it's so you know your your presence and how you connect with and build rapport. You know, so like the thing you don't want to be doing is when you're running a training program is to be running in one minute before it starts and just getting in and just downloading on that content. You know, I always say it's like you come in 15 minutes before you're completely prepared. So you are available mentally and emotionally to connect with people, to build rapport, to just check in with where people are at, like, Hey, how's it going? So, you know, what I find is if you want a strong start create those relationships before the training even starts. So then when you step up on stage or you get to the front of the room, people already know you and that's, and that's half the battle, right? So, you know, the, the first step is just kind of that, that informal rapport. I mean, that is so important, but when you do get to the front of the room, I find a lot of trainers get really nervous, right? One of the models I always share with trainers, like, look, if you don't know what to say, in the first few minutes, I always use um, what's called the what, why, how outcome model. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically, you know, if you're, if you're frozen, you say, what are we going to talk about? Why is it important to you as a learner? Why is it important to me? Why is it important to the business? And how is the training going to run today? You know, what's the agenda? And then you talk about the outcome. You know, what, what's, what's the outcome? What's the hope for today? And so like, that's just an incredibly simple model to tee up any training program. Now, of course, there's there's more to that. But like I would say, <laughs> tell people what we're covering, why it's important, how the day is going to run, and what's the outcome. And, you know, when you use that simple framework, you know, it just alleviates. Because I, I find that the first two minutes is the hardest. If you can just get past the two minutes, the rest of the stuff opens up.
0: I think that that is gold. I've never heard anyone put it that succinctly. And I'm imagining, because we have a lot of coaches and experts, and speakers, or emerging coaches, experts, and speakers that tune into this podcast, I think that that same thing could be used not only as a trainer, but as a speaker, right? Or as a coach. Like if you're going to open up a brand new program, like giving them, okay, the what, the why, and the how, that's such a beautiful simple way to just open up the room and to build rapport and to disarm everyone from like expecting something right and or expecting something of yourself that is like something that is not really viable.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, so whether you're opening a training or whether you're presenting on a stage in front of 5,000 people and you've got all the butterflies in your stomach, yeah, it's like what, why, how, and then the outcome. In fact, actually, I just used that. I was speaking at a government education conference last month. We had about 300 people in the room. And actually, you know, I had butterflies getting up on stage. And actually, so I defaulted to that. You know, that was kind of my skeleton. I put the meat on it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I would love it of course because then you can just start to unfold from there um now yeah. I know that you teach a lot around how to help people understand the mechanics and the mindset of getting their learners to buy in or maybe getting their viewers or their let's say social following to buy into to whatever program offer Is there traffic going by
1: that's that's the morning bus heading into the city. I'm so sorry. i
0: love it, Oh my god, this is so urban right now. This is my first podcast guest that is sitting outside with real time traffic going by. This is great, Steve. I love it. Um, that's the Hong
1: Kong commute. We're getting we're getting ready for work.
0: I love it. It's it's perfect, actually. By the way, my dog has barked. My cat has jumped off of a uh, you know a uh, you know my bookshelf and made a big poundy sound. Um, it's all good here. But you talk about the buy in. I want to talk about what you see works when people are trying to get others to convert or to engage? What do you mean by buy-in? Cause you talk about it a lot throughout your website and your various programs.
1: All right. Um, so buy-in uh, when, when I talk about that, that's buying into the learning journey that's ahead. So I think a lot of people have heard the acronym WIIFM or WIFM stands for what's in it for me. Correct. And if you want to create buy-in to the learning journey, the learners have to be able to answer that question. What's in it for me? Yes, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of ways you kind of tee that up so they can help answer that question.
0: Such a-, you know, a lot
1: of it, well, a lot of it is telling stories in the training, telling stories of why this learning is relevant, sharing your own personal learning around how the content you're about to teach or the experience you're about to go through changed your life. But then, the critical pieces is just really sharing what the objectives are. Okay. You know, you know, at the end of this training, you will be able to do this at, you know, at this level under these conditions, right? That's a that's a an objective. But then you gotta turn it back and you gotta give time to the learners to either what I call think and ink. Think and ink is where the objectives are written out in front of them and they are going through and they're kind of looking and saying, out of the ten objectives, what are the top two that you want and why? And have them do some self-reflection. And then, of course, you always want to make that reflection realized by sharing with other people. So, you know, I'm always having them share in dyads, or that's a fancy word for pairs. (laughs) You know, find a partner, sit sit (laughs) knee to knee, and talk about, out of the objectives listed today what is most important to you and why? And then we open it up to the group because when I've identified my why, you know, 50% of the time, somebody else has a different why and I think it's better. So I'm like, oh, I want that one. So it just kind of stacks and builds upon each other. So I guess this, when I say buy-in, it's about helping people to discover what's in it for them.
0: That's awesome. I love that what's in it for... Me, right? And then, of course, as the trainer, what's in it for them? I listened to this motivational speaker when I was like 17 and
1: 18 years old
0: by the name of Michael Wickett. Did you ever hear of Michael Wickett?
1: I've heard the name, but I'm not familiar with his work.
0: I don't even know if he's alive or around. I haven't looked him up ever. But when I was 17 or 18 years old, I had a set of his cassettes. It was like Tony Robbins motivational type cassettes, um, but it was Michael Michael Wickett. Um, And I listened to those until they burned out until like literally like they were threads <laughs> um, in my 1978 it. Honda hatchback. And he talked about that. And I thought he made that up that acronym what's in it for me. And I have never forgotten it, but I didn't, I didn't realize that it was kind of a known thing in the learner sort of world, which is your world. You just put together like a whole framework. Anyone listening could literally put together a program put together a speech or presentation off of the very little that you've shared so far here. This is a framework that I'm not sure you even realize is so powerful and you put it so simply, but yet it's got depth and meaning to it. And that's your 20 well, I- something years of experience and passion for learning, but not just learning, engaging the learners so that they actually own
1: it. Well, you know, what's interesting. If I could just jump onto uh, yes. uh, piggyback on the word engagement. Um, mm-hmm. Engagement is also part of buy-in. So mm-hmm. a lot of what we do in our training programs is the whole mind-body connection. Like we mm-hmm. have people getting up and out of their seats and, and moving. So a lot of buy-in for learning is actually through active engagement. And mm-hmm. one of the best ways, okay, all right, here, here's, here's one of my favorites. Um, one, of the, one of the simplest ways to create participation the simplest ways is simply by asking enrolling questions. Now, what, what's an enrolling question, okay? At the simplest level, an enrolling question is just yes or no answers, but you're getting people to use their body. So for example, I use a technique, what's called, uh, now, sorry, there's a lot of acronyms here, H-M-O-Y, how many of you? Okay. Let me give you an example, not related to training. So if I'm in a room of hundred people and I ask the, how many of you question, it would sound like, how many of you like chocolate ice cream? But what I'm doing is when I ask the question, I am raising my hand. So I'm pacing, all right. A little bit of NLP techniques, but I raise my hand and I say, how many of you like chocolate ice cream? People see that and they automatically follow the people that like chocolate ice cream are going to raise their hand now, but not everyone's going to raise their hand, right? So I'm going to ask the flip side. How many of you like vanilla, (laughs) right? Because honestly, I don't care about what flavor of ice cream people like. What I care about is people starting to move and people starting to raise their hand. Now, there's always going to be a few people that never raise their hands. So, you know, I kind of have fun with the group. I say, how many of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I say?
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: (laughs) So, you know, so it's really just a closed question technique by pacing and raising your hands. But a lot of times I want to ask how many of you questions related to the objectives of the program. So I'm creating buy-in and I'm also creating active participation. So I might be like, how many of you would like to like to learn the three secrets to effective leadership? Right. And of course, everyone's going to raise their hand, things like that. You know, once people raise their hands, I can be like, for those of you raised your hand, can you give me one word to describe how you're feeling? And, and so closed questions are so simple but it, it lists its participation and engagement, and then once you feel you have that rapport and relationship, then I start opening more open questions. You know, I'm not going to ask a big open question right out of the gate because I'm going to get deer in the headlights. You know, totally. so I'm not going to start a training like "What do you want to learn today?" <laughs> People are just going to freeze up. Um, so I, I I build it's uh, I build slowly.
0: Amazing. Okay, so I would imagine that that kind of a technique or those various modes of technique are probably for like a what a one day or two full days of training right so you have time to build the rapport
1: i will use those in a half day program or for example actually even if i'm presenting on stage and i want to create some relationship and rapport with people let's assume i'll use the how many of you techniques
0: Okay, I love the how many of you. Let's assume, because we have a lot of people who listen who are, again, emerging speakers, and or might, they might be a guest on a podcast, or they might be a guest in someone's mastermind, or they might launch their own little masterclass. Let's say someone has an hour or 30 minutes, and they've got to enroll and get their people to buy in and to engage and build rapport, and all these beautiful things that you've just mentioned. How would you handle it if you got 30 minutes on a stage and it was a group of cold people that you didn't know?
1: I would do the following. So number one, I would acknowledge the audience of where they're at. Yes. Okay? And that, ta- that takes 15 seconds. You know, it's kind of like, it can be acknowledging anybody on anything. And maybe the weather was bad and the drive was hard into this conference center, right? You know, and I want to acknowledge everyone for getting here and being on time. Thank you. Number two, I would look at how you introduce yourself. You can just say, hi, my name is Steve and that's okay but think of what's called a creative opening. Um, so for example, you know, I say, um, yeah, hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Steve Lawrence, but actually I have uh, three first names, Steve and Michael Lawrence, and those initials are SML, or as some people like to say, small, medium, and large, right?
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: I am a large guy. Uh, you know, so, something like that. You got to be careful with jokes, though, because jokes can go flat. Yeah, you know, but it, it's like, <laughs> It's, it's like when you open, you know, the more you can make, say something about you, it makes it personalized. And if you don't have anything to say about you, say something about something else or you open with a hook. So either a statement or a provocative question. Um, so for example, the other day, I was doing a presentation skills uh, training. The statement I opened with was, do you know that the second greatest fear in this world is public speaking? Okay, so I just put the second greatest fear. Now, of course, everyone's like, What's the first fear, right? I think it. I think it's spiders. I mean, honestly, I have no idea on the reason. I
0: thought it was public speaking as the number one.
1: It it could be. um, Who knows? It
0: vacillates.
1: I just made it second. So, all right. So we got the acknowledgement, you got a creative personal introduction, and you can do yes. that in 30 seconds. You've got a, a statement or a hook question to get them. And then of course, the how many of yous. So, you know, how many of you are looking to something that looking forward to the, something that's going to change your lives today? Raise your hands. Yes. Or how many of you like to learn some new skills? So, and then the, uh, what, why, how, and outcome. So I can do that probably in under two minutes. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or I can expand it. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Amazing. Um, This is so, so good. This is amazing. How come I didn't know all this about you and I've had you in the fire and soul program for six months. This is really (laughs) cool. Now you are beginning to share this gold. On LinkedIn. And you've been doing a lot of videos lately, which of course is my love language. So share about what that process has been like. And did you have to overcome any hurdles despite all your expertise? And despite the fact that this is what you know, it's what you love, it's what you're passionate about. It's what you've seen works. Did you have to overcome anything um, in order to put yourself out there the way that you are now doing so?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think... um, you know, for me, it was it was interesting posting videos on LinkedIn. Uh, for me, I, I had a, a different notion that oh, this is a way more professional platform than other social platforms, and so I wanted to kind of you know make videos that were of a certain professional grade. And so a lot of times, you know, I found myself trying to go for perfection and spending way too much time making the videos. But actually, what it was really about, you know, what are people going to think? You know, yes. what if people don't like What if, you know, the content doesn't land? And um, actually, you know, I I rely on a gold nugget you shared with me was like, look, if you share, just if you go out there and you put anything out and you make a difference for one person Mm -hmm. and it helps one person in their professional or personal lives, Mm -hmm. then it's worth it. And if you have a gift to give, you can't afford not to share that. So, you know, what gave me the courage <laughs> to stop worrying about what people think or being judged or looking stupid or all that fun stuff mm-hmm. was to not make it about myself and to think about how can I make a difference for somebody? What, what might somebody need that I can genuinely create value for them? And as you always say, when you make it about others and not about yourself, the fear goes away. I'm not going to lie to you. It took me a while to kind of get over that. Um, but once you once you put it out there, um, it's really liberating. And honestly, it's not a, it's not about how many likes you get or what people say. It really is just about, you know, how can I serve you know my friends and my colleagues and the profession that I'm in?
0: And it takes a lot of courage. You know, it's so funny because I look at you and my listeners can't necessarily see you. But, you know, you're a tall, masculine man clearly accomplished, highly educated, world traveled. You know, you've got all of these things going for you. And at the same time, it's so easy just to just assume that you might not have the nerves, that you might feel a little uncomfortable about putting yourself out there, especially with that background and that resume. But the reality is, is that all of us do, right? Because everything that we want is just outside of our comfort zone. And yet you feel the pool, right? And that's what we talk about a lot on the show is like inspired action is when you're being nudged and you're being lured into more to what you're actually here for. And so to get to witness you beyond this journey and to be stepping into your own light so fully. Is, is so um, inspiring. And yet it's also surprising sometimes when you can look at someone like you and be like, wow, he had nerves about that. You know, and it's so funny because people <laughs> say about me all the time. Like you had nerve to do your first live videos? Like you're on TV. How could that even be possible? It's like, because it's different. And at the cornerstone of it for me is, what the, is at the cornerstone for you and I think everyone listening, which is what will others think? And so when we can liberate ourselves out of that, which is what you did, it's what I continue to do. We'll always continue to do. It never just gets hundred percent easy because every new level requires a new different version of ourselves. Right. But how would you say you're feeling now that you've actually crossed that bridge? You're putting yourself out there. You're not concerned with the likes and the comments and even the engagement because you know that it's about others. How does that feel?
1: Oh, I would say uh, liberating uh, free.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: and and also it's like what I call no fimage baby. So the word fimage it means fear of image. So there's oh, there's no okay. fimage, you know? Yes.
0: Oh, that's so good. No fimmage. Oprah would say tweet, 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 tweet. (laughs) So for anyone listening who wants to be taking more inspired action, they want to go from what they've maybe been doing for the last 15, 20 years in their corporate career or in their quote day job. And they want to be like Steve and start to branch out and create your own company, because now you've had headfirst your consulting and coaching, your executive coaching program, uh, excuse me, company for uh, two years now. And you're even branching out more with video tutorials and all kinds of mastermind classes and, and speaking opportunities and your winning bids against other trainers. And it's really incredible to watch your star rise. But for those who are still where you once were, afraid to do that because they might be consumed by Fimage. What do you have to share with them?
1: Change your state. Mm-hmm. Take a deep breath. Shoulders back, chest out, chin up. Take a deep breath. And just take one step. Mm. Yeah, you know, Just take one step because even if you don't know and if it's a dark path, when you take that first step, the path lights up. It may only light up three feet in front of you, but then take the next step and it lights up another three feet. Because, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, I'm learning um, is that, You know, life is unclear. You know, it's you don't know what's going to happen a year from now. You know, the best way to shine light on what is going to happen is through action. So even if you have that nervous fear, just ask yourself, what's that one step I can take today? But, uh, you know, do it with, you know, take a deep breath, put your shoulders back. Let's beat your chest. Let's go and just take one step.
0: I love that shoulders back, chest up and just take one step of action because that will begin to light the way. I talk about that on this podcast all the time and I couldn't agree with you more. It's so powerful. People think they have to have it all figured out, right? I've got to know all of the next steps. It's like, no, you don't because action breeds clarity. So you'll take a step and like you said, it might only light up three feet in front of you, but then you take the next step. And that sounds so simple that I know people don't want to believe it can be that effective, but it actually is.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Otherwise, you're just going to be paralyzed and you're not going to be moving. You got to take a step.
0: And then you just live in a life that's not yours. And this is the time, you know, we are living in the world of an online revolution where anything is possible and anyone can have that laptop lifestyle. Anyone can get after their dreams if they are willing to be brave and just take that first step. What would you say if we had to fast forward to the next five years of your life, what are you doing and what does it look like?
1: Oh, I'm traveling the world, changing lives. I'm speaking on stages.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. Well, aren't you already doing that? You're just doing more of it.
1: I'm doing more of it. I'm doing more of it at scale. There are so many things in lives we want to do. So, you know, there's no sense of just limiting yourself to, I have to figure out the one thing. I say, you know what? Do those three or four things that you want. Mm -hmm. You know, so for for me in my space, it is really about helping to change corporate education, you know, helping Mm -hmm. learning leaders genuinely create amazing learning experiences that transform lives, not just professionally, but, but, you know, organizations transform people's lives personally. And I want to help organizations do that. At the same time, you know, also just working with leaders, you know, helping people to step up and play big in life and get after what they want. And, you know, that's like, look, you know, everything you teach, Michelle, about know, mindset and the psychology of how you show up and make a difference in the world. So, you know, I I guess I combine learning and leadership together in those two domains and, um, you know, doing a lot of face to face and a lot of online stuff.
0: I love it. Well, you know, there's a, a great quote that I read somewhere, and I don't remember who said it, um, but it was something around if you don't know exactly what you want to be doing in the next five years, then you are already doing it.
1: Ooh, I like Isn't that. That's good.
0: And so, what's that so. very cool, good. I love that. I might actually post that on Facebook today because that's a good one. And it's like what you just described it's what you are doing, but you're expanding it. And like you said, you're just taking it to scale. So you're just maximizing, you're, you're, you're like getting the marrow out of the bone. You're like really living a juicy life that's by design where you get to be the father, the husband, and to live this life of meaning and purpose that's touching lives and making a difference.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like the, I like the part about being the husband and the father because that, you know, that, that's yeah. number one. You know, I know. definitely want to show up and be with my family.
0: It's beautiful. By the way, you guys can't see, but I can see Steve on my um, video screen right now and the sun's coming up behind you. So yes, oh, you are in fact at a dog park. I can see grass and mountains. And
1: <laughs> there you that's go, I'll show awesome. you. That, that, that's where I am.
0: <laughs> that's a good looking dog park. I want to go to Hong Kong and visit a skyscraper like that. That's gorgeous. I ask all of my listeners at the end of our conversations, how do you experience... An awakened soul. What does that mean for
1: you? It is about taking inspired action every day. Mm. Whether you're scared or nervous or unsure, doing that one big step every day that's going to make you alive. That's mm. going to put your hair in fire. That's going <laughs> to get, get that tightness in your gut. Um, so it is really about taking inspired action no matter what you feel. Just that one step every day.
0: I love that. And it's like that, that is like being fully alive, fully awake. That makes so much sense. I love that answer. I've asked that question to almost 80 people on this podcast. Maybe you actually are the 80th and I have never had someone give me the same answer as someone else. It's so beautiful. It's so diverse, right? And it's just so perfect. Where can we find you? Anyone who wants to connect with you or um, engage with you or learn more from you, where is the best place to find you?
1: Come to my, come to my website. It is uh, headfirstgroup dot com, and then all, all my contact info is on there. Um, so reach out to me anytime. Always happy to connect and uh, collaborate.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the Fire and Soul podcast. It's such an honor to get to witness your journey and and continue to watch you rise. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you again for coming on.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Michelle.